What's up, y'all? We're back. We got a very, very interesting episode today. We'll do a little flashbacks. We're talking about the one and only, the most historical franchise. It's not even franchise. The most historical team in F1 history. We're talking about the two Fossey, the Scudiera, the Rari. We're talking about the team in red. Ferrari's coming at you today. Bro, it's my first ever F1 gear was the Scuderia, the Ferrari, the Tafosi. I still have a picture with, uh, you know, me, just a little kid in Zimbabwe rocking with, like, the Michael Schumacher hat. How long have those days changed as you betrayed your team? <laughs> I definitely switched to the dark side, eh? I mean, I guess it's the light side. Silver <laughs> is lighter than red, but you've betrayed your team. How's it feel? Man, you know what? Some can say you, ro- you rode the Mercedes bandwagon. My f- my first real car was a Mercedes, and I feel like that's what just got me in. And then with uh, you pair that with Lewis Hamilton and the twin hybrid era. Yeah, yeah, but your first team was Ferrari. You just all of a sudden just said, screw Ferrari. Yeah, you know what? We're going to have to do a pod on how that all came to be. But you know what? I do like Ferrari's cool, man. I think everybody's got some love of Ferrari. You got... It's, not, it's a love-hate relationship. Like, you either hate Ferrari or you love Ferrari. I don't feel like you hate Ferrari. Before we get into this pod, who has the best merch? Is it Ferrari? No. No, it's definitely not Ferrari. I mean, the iconic red with the shell. No, no, it's definitely not Ferrari. For simplicity-wise, for anybody, I'm going with Mercedes. Mercedes, you can wear with anything. Ferrari really sticks out. If I had to pick one personally, I like Williams. I've been a fan of Williams. I know. You, I know. You love Williams, but Mercedes. the Ferrari is bold. Yeah, but like Mercedes you can't, like you is said, black you and white. You can't wear it with anything. Yeah, the Mercedes has the best merch from a general aspect. If you're wearing Ferrari gear, you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, so <laughs> what do you think? You think it's Ferrari or what do you think it is? It, yeah, Ferrari is a very bold statement. It's if probably you roll in, Yeah, Mercedes, Alpine's really nice too. I like Alpine's gear too. I don't mind Alpine. You'll never catch me wearing a Red Bull jersey. You still have to wear one. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, eventually we'll get you to wear one. I guess at the start of the season, we'll have you wearing uh, a Max Verstappen jersey. Are you going to rock the number one or the number 33 one? Bro, I ain't rocking no number one. <laughs> Why not? That's I'm just... rocking 33, bro. OG Max. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, yeah, he's going to be rocking the number one. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, it will be interesting. So anyways, we're here because we're talking about the two Fosse. Well, not the two Fosse because that's the fan group. But we're talking about the Scudiera, Scuderia, however you say it, you know. So, Kurt, you obviously have done a deep dive. Do you want to walk us through background up to about 20, 2019, and then we can kind of get into how this season meticulated and what standards we're going to judge them off right after that? Yeah. And make this, it quick. You know what? <laughs> this episode is about Ferrari, and Ferrari has the most successful history in the sport, right? Yeah. I, I, I've had this debate that they really are the best team because of Schumacher. Michael Schumacher made Ferrari what it is, and because of Michael Schumacher, they probably have the biggest fan base in the sport. And like, if Mercedes happened during the, if Lewis Hamilton was swapped in Mercedes Schumacher era, I feel like Mercedes would be the most historical team. But that's just me. But anyways, continue but on. It, anyways, Ferrari in I, I the reason I wanted to bring this up because there is a lot of new fans, and obviously we've spoke about it here. A lot of people are coming into the sport largely in part to Netflix's Drive to Survive, the momentum, the drama, all the narratives that the media pushes, right? And don't don't forget, Ferrari 
decline participating in the first exactly. season of the Drive to Survive. So with all these new fans to the sport, it's kind of a little bit unfortunate that they've only seen Ferrari not at the top. Yeah, I mean, we've had multiple conversations, and you've consistently been like, well, Ferrari's bad, this, that, and it's like... Well, they are. 2021 was their bounce back. Were they bad if they finished third? It wasn't that they were bad. It's just that if you go back to the year 2018, which really... They finished second. Which really feels like yesterday, they were competing for a championship, and that's where the downfall started. But in 2019, they're competitive until their whole drama which we'll let you get into, but they really only had one off year, which is 2020. Yeah, but it started in 2018. That's where this all started. It's where Sebastian Vettel hit his low point, the crisis with the I understand team. that, but I'm saying they really only had one down year, which was 2020. And that was the only real down year. Yes, the worst year in 40 years. Um, but in 2019 is when they, essentially the FIA launched, an, I guess, an investigation into... Um, their fuel sensor and how they were essentially tricking the fuel sensor so that they could get better straight line speed. Um, and what that ended up, what ended up happening was going into 2020, they had a dud of a car. It was a terrible car. It was the worst finish since the 1980s. And um, to give context, Ferrari pretty much scored up into 2019 from 2010, almost 20 points per year with exception of 2014, sorry, per race. So they would have, they had uh, on average about 20 plus points per race up until 20, uh, 2020, where they scored 7.7 per race as a team, which is absolutely terrible. They had an off year in 2014, but they bounced right back. It feels like every single year when there seems to be a big change, Ferrari has a tough year. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the twin hybrid era, Ferrari str- struggled. Well, in the first Side year, from. they absolutely sh- in the in the first year of the twin uh, twin turbo hybrid area era, they went from eighteen point six points in twenty thirteen to eleven point four, and then next year they bounced right back up to twenty two point five, and then they look at nineteen in two thousand sixteen, twenty six in two thousand seventeen, twenty seven point two in twenty eighteen, where they're uber competitive when they're giving Mercedes mm-hmm. a run for their money, and they were better in, than Red Bull up until Singapore, I think it was. That's when. Uh, Sebastian had an issue, and that's kind of when Lewis ran away with the title. And 2019, 24 points, and then they went to a dud of 7.7 in 2020. And last year, which we're here to talk about a little bit, probably majority of our podcasts, they scored 14.7. Which, we could talk a little about 2020 before we get into 2021, but tell me about 2020 and why they had um, a bad car. The main reasons that obviously is very highlighted is, A, the car lacked power because their whole engine. Exactly. B, they struggled with rear downforce, the downforce in the rear. And their pace was not even close to the top of the pack. No, it wasn't. So is there anything else like you want to contribute there? Did you, did you come across Really, anything? what I want the people to know is um, from as early as 2019, Ferrari started to shift their resources and focus to 2022. Well, 2021 technically, but... It became 2022 because of the changes. The changes, yes. So Ferrari has really spent the last few years putting everything into this up-and-coming season. So I've been on the pod very critical of their performance even in 2021, but the reality is everything is focused on this upcoming season. So the pressure on this team is going to be at an all-time high, or not an all-time high, but it's going to be high because 
they're expected based on the last few years to compete for a championship. Yeah, they, they should always be competing for a championship. So just to go through some of the changes, I mean, all teams make changes, but Ferrari made quite a bit of drastic changes. They changed their gearbox, the shape of it, so they can increase downforce, their upper side pods, to improve the diffuser and rear wing downforce. They changed radiator inlets. They changed a bunch of stuff on their car for 2021. But the biggest thing we have to highlight is they did not put in their 2022 engine into this car at the beginning of the year. That's right. The 2022 engine went in around, I want to say around a little bit after Monza. Yeah, and they didn't put any upgrades into the old engine either. So Yeah, so they, they were running around the same engine, but they got did get a... They got a lot better, and I would assume that's through all the changes they made, whether it was to their wing, their end plates, whatever it was, and their barge boards. They made a very good improvement because they went from 7.7 to almost doubling those points. So let's talk about 2021. So the head-to-head. I think that there's been a lot of narratives that Sainz was a better driver than Charles, but I don't disagree. I mean, I don't agree. And I'll tell you why. So the head-to-head. When you just look at head-to-head, not pure points, Charles won 14 races and Sainz won eight because there's 22 races. But Charles and DNF had a DNF twice. One wasn't his fault because of Valtteri Bottas's recklessness in mm-hmm. Hungary. The other one was his crash in Monaco. And then the next day they said it had nothing to do with it. So technically Ferrari's saying that his crash in qualifying had nothing to do with it. So he really only raced 20 times in this year, right? So it's 14 to six in the reality when Charles finished a race. Charles has two poles. Sainz only had one podium. I mean, one front row start. Charles had an average of 6.59 for average grid grid start. Carlos had an average of 8.14. So what that means to our viewers is that Charles started about six or seven on average. Carlos always started on eighth. Now points average finish. So points per race, Charles was 7.23. So he scored about 7.23 points per race. Sainz scored 7.48 per race. But without his DNFs, he scored pretty much eight points, Charles. So what do you think when I break those down those stats? When you break it down that way, Charles had the better year. I don't. I wouldn't say he had the better year, but I, I hate the narrative that Carlos Sainz is a better driver. That's the narrative I, I don't want It's because on the there. surface level, he had more points. That, that, that's what everybody's saying. He had more points. But when you look at it, Charles was more competitive for most of the year. He beat his teammate most of the time. It's just he had two DNFs. Like, you take away two DNFs, he probably finished higher points. But the benefit is that Carlos had four podiums. Charles only had one. That's where his big advantage came from. Yeah, and that's where the points added up. Yeah. I really don't want to force or build on the narrative of the, narrative of the head-to-head within Ferrari because I think... Ferrari has an incredible dynamic going into this new season. Both Carlos and Charles are two really good drivers. And I've been on the pod saying I don't like Carlos before, but when you actually look at the body of work that he's put into it, and then you look at how competitive he was this year in the Ferrari, the two of them paired with this new car in 2022 are going to be a threat. Yeah, they're going to be a very competitive car. I think we've both come on and say we expect them to be second, or they'll be... Our bare minimum expectations if it is they are competing for a championship with Mercedes and Red Bull. Like if I they think are they not competing, frog Red Bull and they're competing for the title. And I don't care if they don't win, but I need to see them compete this year. If I see them fighting every single race, then I'm okay with it. There just can't be them finishing third and the and the point difference between third and second in the hundreds. Yeah, it's just way too much. 
I just don't see that happening. And if it does, then it's a failure of a year for me for Ferrari. But the one thing I will say about signs is I'm bringing up all these stats, but what is our number one rule with new drivers? Well, the second year is, is the real, real, is you the judge real them. year. So by our definition, Carlos had an amazing year because it is his first year in this car and he put up a hell of a year. What do you finish? Fifth in the driver's championship? You finish behind Bottas and Checo, and then it was yeah. Charles, uh, uh, Carlos, then Charles, and yeah, then, then Lando. Lando. Yes. So he had a great year by all means. So no one's hating on Carlos. He had a great year. I think one of the things I really want to highlight about Carlos is for anybody that's new or hasn't followed his career, he's been to four different teams in five years. And he's leveled up. Every you, single year. He's gone from he's gone from one team to the other, but it hasn't been lateral moves. Every team has been a step up. It's been a step up. The biggest reason why I bring that up is because I kind of look at, you know how we talk about the year gap? Well, he's had to adjust to so many teams in different years. So has he just become a chameleon that can just insert himself into any team? Yeah, he's never had stability in one car. So he has found a way to adjust fast because you have no choice but to adapt fast. Now... The fact that he actually has some structure and stability in Ferrari, what will his second year look like? And the other thing that people forget is because he's been with so many teams, he kind of feels older, but he's only 27. Yeah, he's not old at all. He kind of still, he he kind of bridges the gap between the Lando, Max, and the Lewis age. Yeah, because Charles is 24, he's 27. It's it's not a big difference, man. No, it's definitely not a big difference. So let's talk about Carlos's year first. Any highlights that you really want to point out? The only thing that is really um, memorable is the way he closed the year. Because at the start of the year, he was really a non-factor. What do you mean? He finished second in Monaco. For me, I think Carlos closed the year stronger than he started it. Even though he had the, the strong finish in Monaco. Yeah, I mean, he, fin- he finished second in Monaco. What I take away from Carlos's year, and we're not going to harp too much on the year because we want to talk about 2022. I think that's the biggest purpose for this pod is... He struggled with the car at times mightily. He he crashed three times in qualifying. He spun out a couple of times. But I think the one thing that we learned about Carlos this year is he's a racer. He always seemed to have great overtakes and great moves. And he has racing instinct because he had a beautiful double overtake in Bahrain. Uh, he made his way because uh, he hit, him, hit a wall in Hungary in Q2. He made his way from 15th all the way to a podium in Hungary. He had a great race in Sochi. And he just seemed to really understand how to fight on race day, even though on qualifying, I feel like he wasn't fully comfortable with the car. He definitely has racing instinct. He knows how to fight. And I just want to reiterate my point of why I think he had a better close to the years. In the second half of the year, he had three podiums. Yeah, he definitely looked better in terms of um, overall comfortability. But I think it's so impressive within your first five races, five or six races, you get a... Uh, a second place finish. I mean, it was gifted by Valtteri's bolt not coming yeah. off, but he still had a great, still had a great race. And we won't harp too much on Carlos's year because I mean, Ferrari had a very solid year. We've really, really expressed that. Um, but we both are coming away saying he's a great racer. I think he has great instinct. I'm tempted to put him in my top five, actually. Really? Top five, top six. So, but then, I mean, if you're putting him in your top five, are you? Not putting Charles in the top five? Yeah, I am, but they're included. I have Lewis, Max, um, Carlos, Checo. You're not putting George in there? 
<laughs> Let me finish. Lewis, Max, are tier buff. Okay. And then I have Lando, Charles, Checo, Sainz, George, all in kind of clumped up. Like, they can all slot in different places for me. And Alonzo. Like, that's eight drivers. They can all fit differently for me depending on the day. Yeah. So, like, I, I think Carlos belongs in that, that, a, that B plus tier. Like, those guys are all my B, kind of B, B plus tier. Agreed. There's only two guys in the A, Max and Lewis. Everybody else is a tier below. You're putting them in that in that bubble of he can separate the gap between, you know, being in the on the outside looking in or in that top group. Yeah, he's right in the bubble. Because I think, well, we haven't seen Carlos in a completely competitive car. Like, he was in Renault, which was a good car, not completely competitive. McLaren, good car, not the best car. Ferrari last year, good car, not the best car. I'm very excited to see what Charles and Carlos can do in a car that's competitive with Mercedes and Red Bull. Like, that will be the measure if I put him in, if, if I start dropping closer to the 8-9 range or if I move him up to the 4-5 range. Okay. Um, moving to Charles. What do you think of Charles' career thus far in Ferrari? Because in 2019, lots of success. 2020, more podiums than 2021. Do you, like, his career so far has actually trajected down every so, year. But what are you projecting out of Char Charles? Like, So here's my first thing. We will say this. We brought this up on another podcast, but we are on a Ferrari pod. Since 2004, the new driver has always beat the driver that sat there. Whether it was uh, Kimi beating, I think, Felipe Massa or Alonso Massa, beating Felipe. Yeah. Uh, Vettel beating Kimi. Like, the new driver has always won in their first year. It's yeah. just a weird thing in Ferrari, just so everybody knows. But what are we judging Charles off of? His race management, if he's got better as a racer? Because, I mean, he had a, he had two DNFs. His car didn't, wasn't as competitive as it was in 2018 and 2019. Sorry, 2019, because he was in race in 2018 in Ferrari. He raced at Alfa Romeo. And Tony Tunney's car was a dud. Yeah. So it's like, what are we judging him off of? But he had more podiums in 2020 than he did in 2021. Yeah. But are podiums the only thing you're judging off you're success not. off? I know. Of, I'm right? just saying, mentally... I know he is probably very excited for this new year. I think the last year and a half for him have probably been a little bit of a struggle just mentally. Probably, but so uh, what are you judging it off? Like, what are you judging him off of? Like, what, what's your criteria? Because um, I think just when you look at racing drivers who are uber competitive, that obviously Ferrari sees it in him, they've invested in him. You want to have success. And yeah, you can look at your, your season and say, you know, based on all of the conditions, it was a good year or it was a, I can live with the year. But at the end of the day, you want to be on the podium. That is what they for all sure. race for. I agree. You should so be on the podium. So I just think um, not looking at the overall picture of the year, I think personally, and this is just opinionated, that he probably is so happy heading into this new era because he wants to be on the podium. Yeah, I mean, how many points did he have last year? Did, did he have more? He has more points this year, does he not? Yeah, he did. Stats show you from a points perspective, he had a better year this year. He had higher highs last year, right? Yeah. Um, that I was mean, a big sign. They came into last year, which is their worst year, but he won. Uh, sorry, he came second in, in the first race. Okay, so before we continue on of our judgment of Charles, let's talk about his year quickly, okay? Okay. So he got taken out by Bottas in Hungary. Um, he had the incident in Monaco, obviously. Mm -hmm. His pole lap at Baku was amazing. 
But let's 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 keep it one hundred. Both his pole laps were due to an accident. So so that that's a big thing. He had a great and fight at Silver. Remind Lewis. me what happened to him in Russia. I don't even remember what happened. He came fifteenth. I remember a lot. Remember a lot of drivers got unfortunate because they just passed the finish line. Sorry, they just passed the lap. And then that's when Bottas was behind them and he swapped the wets and he made up yeah. the gain. So I, I don't look at Russia too much. Because obviously there, he, he had the DNFs, but he had the the French Grand Prix where he was 16th and then he had Russia where he was 15th. And those are really two like blows. And obviously um, some of them were, are his responsible and the other one is, you know, team. Yeah, I mean, you got to look at a bunch of different things like... I more want to highlight Charles' year. I didn't really look at his downfalls. I mean, it's hard to look at Ferrari's downfalls because a lot of them were DNFs. Well, two of them were DNFs. And then when you look at Charles, he had some bad luck. But, I mean, some highlights I have is he had a great pass on Bottas in Spain, and he fought him off well. Um, in Styria, or Styrian, I can never say this right, he had a beautiful move because he, um, he fought his way through the pack really nicely because... His wing got damaged. He made his way up from P18 to P7. Mm-hmm. And then he had a beautiful wheel-to-wheel battle on Checo in the Austrian Grand Prix. But that caused Checo two penalties. So I think what I really want to take away from this is that both Sh- Charles and Carlos shown a lot of racing instinct. That they have the ability to make their way through yeah, the they're path. not going to be... Yeah, it always comes back to bought as. Uh... <laughs> bought ass? Yeah, and you know, it's just... Don't want to trend too far from Ferrari, but I did watch the uh, Secure uh, Grand Prix, and when George passes Valtteri, that should have been it for me. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. But yeah, I mean, I, I, Charles and Carlos, I think Ferrari's in good hands for 2022. They're in great hands. And let's also just put this on wax. Like, they haven't won a constructor since 08. Like, yeah, they, you, we can say... They haven't had a bad year, but they haven't won since 08. No, they've had bad years, but it's not like they've gone completely tanked like Williams yeah, have been, a, of been course. a terrible team. The, the last time they were close to winning was 2018. It's not like it was that long ago, but it is due. And, you know, we're sitting here talking about Mercedes is going to win this year and Ferrari's going to compete for that championship, but Ferrari's got to win, man. They don't have to win. I think it's expected. I think they have to win by 2024. You know, we look at other sports and we look at the expectations from certain sports franchises. Ferrari, the expectation is to compete and win. We've said that. Okay. The so before you before you before you continue on with that tangent, let me ask you this. Do you believe Charles or Carlos Sainz are one of the top two drivers on the on the grid? I don't. So then why do you how do you expect them to win a championship? It's driver and car, bro. We both know that, right? Everybody that's listening to the show know it's driver and vehicle. It's both. So they can have the best vehicle, but if you don't put Lewis Hamilton or Max Verstappen behind the wheel, how do you expect them and to win? you know win? what? This is where the conversation in this podcast is going next. <laughs> Goes to the principal of Ferrari. Okay, Tia. but but let's no, let's stay on this. How do you expect them to win if they don't have the best driver? The team principal chooses the drivers. But... Okay, fair. I agree with you. But also situation is a thing. Reality is a thing. Is Lewis Hamilton open? He's not, but they doubled down on Charles Leclerc. Yeah, but who else was open that you could double? Think about 2019. 
or I mean, sorry, 2018. 20, no, t- 2019 is when the, 2019 was his first season. No, 2018. No, was he not Alpha Male? No. Oh, 2018 was his first season. was his first year. In sorry, Florida. he was an Alpha Male in 2017. So he was selected in 2017 to come in on. Yeah, 2017, he was an Alpha Male. So my apologies. I probably said that earlier in the podcast. Who else was available in 2018 to pull off, pull off the market? I mean, there wasn't another. There's only one Lewis, one Max. Exactly. So, are you pulling on Lando or are you betting on Charles, the guy that's been in your young drivers program? Yeah, you're betting on Charles. Exactly. You're betting on George Russell. Like, but I guess when we look at the points since 2008 till now, and that's what what I want to emphasize is they haven't won since 08. It's not like that's a short period of time. That's all. But they've been very close multiple times, and they've. You know, they've had championship caliber drivers. Exactly. So, like... Sebastian Vettel won so, four so, championships. So, so, here's my point. I understand we're talking about Bonato, but where, wh- what driver are you going to pull off? That's all. You still haven't answered that. What driver would you pick over Charles or Sebastian at, there, in 2018? There was... They made the right choice in that aspect. The point, if I dig a little bit deeper, is... Bonato has been around since Schumacher. Yeah, but he was... He's a, proven. He was on the technical side. He's a rookie, bro. He, he, he's, he's fresh blood. Fresh blood. He's fresh blood, bro. So the expectation, I think, for Ferrari is they've made it publicly just on wax that everything's going into 2022 and onwards. And if they don't win in 2022, I don't think it's the end of the world. They come second. That's going to be considered a good year. But... In the next five years, if they don't win a championship, you got to look and ask questions. And I start to look at Bonato and I think, how long does he last without a so, championship? I agree with you. This, this is what I will tell you. No, he started in Ferrari in 2019, by the way. Okay. So this is what I will tell you. If Bonato started in 2018, this is his fifth year. Yeah. This is, this is time. 2022 will be a so big judgment. We, factor we've for just me. said both those drivers aren't a championship driver. So I, I didn't say Charles is not a championship driver. At this moment, he's not. Moment. I think Charles has the potential. I think Signs is like a, has the potential to be a one time. Like things go right, okay. kind of like Kimmy did. So as we progress, do we see Ferrari win a championship with at least one of these drivers? Constructors or drivers? Constructors. Um, no. The last time Ferrari no, won a drivers I, was with Kimmy, I, I, right? Yes, Kimmy was the last one to win. Um, no, because I just think, I just think Mercedes is is the class ahead. Until Toto leaves or Mercedes has a big drop off, I don't believe in any other constructor. Damn. Mercedes has shown me that they are the best constructor. Just want to uh, also Ferrari's budget. Is big, right? It's the same as Mercedes, okay. I think, relative. But did you know that because of their terrible year in 2020, they were uh, able to spend more time in the R&D and in the wind tunnel? Yeah, that's how it works. Lower yeah. teams get to spend so more time developing. They still have the same budget, but they were able to spend more but you, time. But you're behind, though. So theoretically, it makes sense. Like, if you're behind, you should get more time to catch up. It, I, it's only unfair to the other teams. Yeah, like Haas, Haas gets yeah. a lot of t- <laughs> and they're airtime. Like, Yo, now this team gets to spend more time, but they have way more money. It's just funny how yeah, it's ironic how that worked. Out. I get that. Okay, so I'll bring you to this. So we talked about our expectations for Charles. And you asked me how am I grading Charles since 2019, 2020, 2021. Yeah. 
2022 is a big year for me where I, where I let Charles sit. It, it's a huge year for me for both, Car- both Carlos and Charles because, A, I just said I think Carlos has a championship potential if things go right. Like a Kimi Raikkonen, like a Jacques Villeneuve. Yeah, you can squeeze right? one. You can squeeze one. Charles, this is a big year to show if you are on that Mika Haikinen level where you'll win two or three, where you will be like a household name in F1. Both of them have a major thing to prove this year if Ferrari's car is really good. If Ferrari's car shows up, they have the pace, then I expect these two to be three and four or f- three and five, two and five, whatever it is. Michael Schumacher rebuilt Ferrari after their terrible run in the eight, And that's why he's okay? a GOAT. He's a GOAT. Right now... The two drivers that Ferrari has, and I'm not knocking them, just, just put on wax. They're not Michael Schumacher. They're not Michael Schumacher. But you don't but, need a Michael but, Schumacher. But, but, between the two of them, they have a total of two wins. This is also very uncharacteristic for Ferrari to have two young drivers that collectively have two wins, and the two wins are on Charles' side. Yeah. Carlos I mean, has never won a but race. Here, but here, but and we here, know how hard it is to win a race. But here's the point. And that's where it's like the pressure is there, but you also have two young drivers that are inexperienced in winning. Very fair point. It's like from a confidence Charles standpoint. Charles had, had a car, had one good car. That's right. 2019. That's right. His other two years, his car has not been competitive. Carlos has not been in an uber competitive car since day one. So I will give them the benefit of the doubt. Give them the, I give them the benefit Until of the doubt Until you're in a too. championship car, I don't care about one or two wins. We're talking about championship aspirations. Espan Ocon has a win. I could care less about Espan Ocon. He's not winning a ch- driver's championship anytime soon. Of course. And He's we'll talk right. about Alpine because Alpine's yeah. a shit show getting rid of Prost. Did and you read thing. Prost's comments? Is that it was... No one took him, no one listened to him? Yeah, like, whatever. We'll, 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 that, we'll get into yeah. that. But that's for another episode. But I will say this. Again, and I'll repeat this. 2022 is a barometer for Benato, Charles, and, and Carlos. Carlos. A lot of the world, will, this will be a big year for them. If they come out with guns blazing, it will put Ferrari back on the map. If they come out with a dud of a car and they look terrible, it's going to be really bad for Because you know when we show up to Ferrari's home race in Italy, if they're, the, the last few years, it's been sad. I mean, 2019, didn't they have a, a podium? It's, it's not that. It's just that the fans have been kind of bummed. And, I mean, their, their fan base is different. Oh, yeah, when Pierre Gasly won. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, man, as we gear up for this season, we've been on here now, Red Bull and Ferrari, because we said the pressure's on Red Bull. Now we're saying Ferrari, it's all but like... Bro, Charles won in 2019 at Monza. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, I was, I was it, thinking, I'm like a podium. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they won. But they, it was a, it's just the fact that. No, I hear you. Won. I'm just saying like he won. I'm like, um, I forgot he won. So both Red Bull and Ferrari having immense pressure for this upcoming season. So does Mercedes. Whenever you hold the title contender on your back, when you say I'm the eight time world, the eight time constructors champion, you're always going to have a, a, for a sure. lot of pressure. But we've elevated the pressure on Red Bull and Ferrari. Yeah, in our minds, but, you know, I mean, I think Ferrari's had a lot of pressure even since 2020 when they had a dud of a car. Like, I don't think anything's changed for them. Agreed. So, let me ask you this. Is 2022 a big year for them as for you as it is for me? Or, or do you give them another year? I think it is a breaking point on, like you said, 
it determines the principal's future and the driver's future. I think I, I, I mean, I'm 100% look at, behind Look at that. Red Bull. I mean, we've criticized how fast they turn people. I mean, Ferrari might just blow it up. I mean, they could have blown up Schumacher. He didn't win like four yeah. years in a row, three years. Fair. Right? But I mean, he was fighting, like he was finishing second, fighting tooth and nail. So it's not like he was dogging it, right? So let me put this in the air. I will say 2022 is a big year for reputation and for them to make a statement. But I did say earlier, 2023 is when I expect them to actually be like, when it should be a good judgment if they actually win a championship. 20, I, I'm going to put that date at 2024. I think if they don't win by 2024, it's a big failure. And if they haven't won by then, you really start to question the legacy of this team because they haven't won then since 08. Yeah, that's 16 years. And it, it's bad. But what is your barometer for Charles and Carlos' success this year? That's more, more of my question. From an individual aspect, um, this year they were fifth and sixth. Yeah. Which I mean is fair. <laughs> like, is Red Bull Mercedes Ferrari? Next year, one of them has to be top three. So if Carlos finishes top three, Charles finishes fourth, and they're 10 points ahead, is that a successful That's year a successful for Ferrari? Year. Yeah. And then Mercedes won two, George won, Lewis two. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it should be an interesting year for Ferrari. I think they got a lot to prove this year. It is, I can't say enough about how 2022 is a big barometer for me for Ferrari. And if they come up with a dud of a car, well, then they got to go for Bonato's they just head. Look, man, I'm looking at the standings right now. You cannot be in third place with a 200-point You can. You just can't be Ferrari. You can be Red like, Bull. Yeah. So if, for, if Ferrari's going to finish third, it's got to be less than 30 points that separates them for me. Not less than 30. I'll give it like a 60-point gap. So, yeah, like if they maintain third place... The gap's got to be closer. It's got to be like 60 to 70 points. Like, So if my expectation is second place, but if they stay third, you can't have a 200 Yeah, I difference. mean, anything under anything under around like 50 to 60 is competitive to me, like within two or three races. Yeah. Because remember, you got to think of it this way. Being 50 points is like one DNF. Yeah. And fair. one win for, for a team, right? Like yeah. in reality, right? So... I even think 100 is not too bad, but I think 100 is a little high because we have such high expectations for Ferrari. But I'm going to give it around 50 or 60. That, that's my barometer for them. So let, let's talk a little bit about legacy. We talked about how Ferrari is the biggest brand and the first thing on the podcast, right? How they are the most historical. Do you think that continues on if they don't win? I think when you look at Mercedes, eight-time champions, in, the, in this twin hybrid era that we've had, you would think they're the biggest brand, but I feel like Red Bull kind of clouds their success just because of how big Red Bull is as a brand. No, I hear you, Look but at it. We, we went round the world. I feel like there's more Red Bull fans than there's Mercedes but fans. But that's not the point, though. We're talking about F1 legacy. Like, if Mercedes pulls off another three constructors in a row and Ferrari's a close number two, does this kill the Ferrari as the biggest brand in F1 in terms of winning? Legacy play. Um, because the way I look at it, bro, and, and I'm, I'm bringing basketball reference and sorry to our fans that are completely diehard F1s. I don't want to hear basketball reference. Ferrari feels like the Boston Celtics to me. While Mercedes feels like the Lakers, they've actually done something within the modern era. Hmm. I think, I think Ferrari still holds it, man. 
Even if Mercedes pulls off another two or three in a row. How many constructors does Ferrari have? Like 15? I think around 15 or 14, yeah. Something crazy like that. Do they need to beat them? I think Mercedes has to surpass them. They need to surpass them. And constructors Ferrari has 16, bro. 16. Mercedes has 10. 10. So what does that tell you? But how many of Ferrari's 16 were... After Schumacher, they haven't had... Like, pretty much after Schumacher, they've won one. They've won um, two. One or two. Yeah. So they've won two. Fair. But it's like, what have they done in the modern era to actually, like, hold this... If you take away their 80s, which is historic F1, like, let's call that... That's prehistoric. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Mercedes has won 10 in the last, what, 20, 30 years? Yeah, Mercedes won 98 and 09. So, 98. So, before Ferrari took their dominance in 1999, if you want to go from 98 to today, 10 to 8. Yeah. So, you know what? I think Mercedes, in, in order for them to surpass the legacy, they have to, they, they got to win six more, man. That's what that's your opinion. Yeah, I don't think I think the I'm not buying Ferrari stock. I think if Mercedes wins another two or three constructors in a row, it's game over. Because we're also talking about ten to eleven constructors championships in a row. Yeah, that's massive. Because like think about like the way I look at it is like, yo, Ferrari won those things when we we weren't even alive. Ferrari's longest streak was with Schumacher, which was five years in a row. Yeah. So Mercedes is ready. Sorry, six that. years. Because Schumacher didn't win 99. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't buy the legacy as much. Because it was so long ago. Damn. Right? It was so long ago. And, and let's be real. When it was Schumacher, it was only Schumacher. At least Mercedes can sprinkle Nico Rosberg that it was, there was their car. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, nice. and the thing is, too, like, I will put this out there. I know you're a big Lewis fan. But it's very well known that... Michael built that car. Yes, that's that's truth. But Lewis did not build a Mercedes car. It was Mercedes with Lewis. Yeah, of course. It's very well known that Michael played such a huge part in elevating Ferrari. So, I'm putting it on wax. Mercedes is a better constructor. It should have a bigger legacy. Because even when Lewis didn't lose, when it didn't win, still winning constructors. For real. All right. It's crazy. 16 constructors, and Mercedes maybe has a bigger legacy. Hey, I'm just going to draw a parallel to the NBA again. Celtics at 16, they won one more in 2008. Yeah. It, it feels like Ferrari's hanging on to the thread, just like the Celtics are. So, I don't know. I'm just going to say. And I'm not a Mercedes fan, so if I anybody's think, listening. So, you know what? Let me, I'm going to come back here because I said they, they need to win. They got to go 10 in a row. Yeah, I think if Two they if they win to if they win up to 2023, it's game over for me. It's game over. And we're not talking about fan base guys. We're talking about pure legacy. Like legacy. Who, what's the best Red, team? I, th- it's, I think Red Bull has the biggest. I said Ferrari I has the biggest fan base. I disagree But I think with you. Red Bull, the surge of Red Bull is. I disagree massive. with you. If Ferrari was uber competitive like Red Bull, it it would sw- switch so quickly. It's just like we you saw 23 or 22, 22 races. races. It felt like the majority of them But how of them many of those Bull. fans are bandwagon fans? I mean, obviously a lot of them. 
So it's like you got to look at it that way too. Think about the two Fossey. Do you think the two Fossey is really taken out by Red Bull? I feel like if if Ferrari was competing, it would be red everywhere. And then think about this as well. We think about Zandvoort, Belgium, sure. That's four races on Max's home turf. Because Belgium and, the, and Dutch are both, that's his nationalities. And Sturian Austrian is a Red Bull ring. We only went to two for our, And we know when we went to Monza and Imola, it was a different story. It was, it was all right. Sure. So it's like, I think we're a little skewed because of what we see as well. But I think if you generally ask a poll, I also think Ferrari fans are, are hiding because they've been so bad. Ferrari fans have been in hiding. It's, it's been... Like, 14 years. Let's like we know a Ferrari fan close to our heart, Mr. Dale Benson. Doesn't he doesn't declare his Ferrari love? He'll say if you ask it. Yeah. But listen, Ferrari fans are waiting. They're hurting. They're waiting to come back. But well, I'm a Ferrari fan too. Obviously, I picked McLaren, but I like Ferrari too. They're a legacy play for me. But yeah, man, it sucks to be a Ferrari fan. Hopefully in 2022 it doesn't suck to be a Ferrari fan. That's why I'm looking forward to another, you know competitive championship that's not influenced hopefully by the FIA. Oh, uh, you mean Michael Massey? Man, I saw Roman Grosjean's comments today and I just wanted to throw up on him. Oh, I saw those too. It was disgusting. Um, quick fun note. <laughs> I don't even want to talk about it. It made me angry. I, I wanted to throw... He, he, he's disgust, he disgusts me. Does Ferrari keep that ugly red or do they switch back to the... They got to go Scarlet. back to the OG red and I can't wait for their reveal. Is it called the Scarlet Red? That's what they have now. Oh, that scarlet red is ugly. It's terrible. So we're both in agreement that that red is terrible. It's like a burgundy. Yeah, it's like it's been corrupted by like yeah. someone adding Dirty a little black, black ink into it. Like, like come go on, Ferrari. Go back to the the real red. Probably man. that's why they're not why they're not winning. We need to go back to the red, and they'll go get back to their winning ways. This year was a bit better. The twenty twenty red was bad. Oh, the twenty twenty one was terrible, but. We want the vintage bright red. And if we can't have it, you guys probably won't win. I don't That's understand the why they don't have the vintage red. I mean, it makes no sense. It doesn't make any sense either. By the way, did you ever, in your deep dive, did you ever get to learn about Enzo Ferrari? The, the OG behind the OG. it At surface level. He's, he's an interesting character. He's still involved. He said aerodynamics. No, he's dead. No, like, isn't the... Um, His son or something? Son. Yeah, but I'm saying like the OG OG. Yeah. He's an interesting character because he was like aerodynamics, all stuff. Yeah, because you guys can't make up horsepower. His yeah, whole yeah. philosophy well, I think was that horsepower. Goes back horsepower. to Nicky Lauda, like talking about Ferrari and how Nicky Lauda came in and kind of shifted to yeah. actual engineering and not just horsepower. Yeah, but Ferrari was just horsepower, horsepower, horsepower. They thought they they can always make up for uh, aerodynamics and engineering. Yeah, with Enzo's basically that's cute. You guys have aerodynamics, but that's because you don't have enough horsepower. Yeah. It's just, you know, when you got that big dick energy, bro. Yeah, man. So, shout out to Enzo Ferrari. Brought us the most historical team to date. I also want to shout out my boy, Charles. It's going to be a big year for you. I expect big things. Any last words, Kurt? Ferrari, it's about time we see you back. How many podiums do we have next year from Ferrari? 23 races. I guarantee you there'll be 22. There's going to be cancellation. I'm, I'm promising you now. <laughs> yeah, I love how they came out and said Canada's on the map. I'm like, bro. It's probably not. It's Quebec is in, its, in a different lockdown it, It's going to be 22. But anyways, um, so get, let, let's say it's 23 races. Let's just say that. Okay, 23 races. Charles, 10 podiums. How much does Carlos make? Eight. 
this is not by any means because I know anything. This is because I'm doubling down on my second place. I'm going 15 podiums for Charles. Wow. Bro, you got to finish that's second. Big. That's big. I, I'm, I'm doubling down. Actually, no, I'm going 13. I said 10 and 8. It's 18 podiums I, I, for the team. I'm going 13. Sorry, I'm going 13. So, because that's assuming Red Bull is not a good team. There will be a good team. So, I'm going 13 podiums for Charles. And six for Carlos. Wow. You're yeah. saying that Charles more than doubles him? Yes. Okay. But I think when Charles finishes low, like on the 10, he'll finish below Carlos. Okay. I think like if Charles finishes second, Carlos will finish maybe fourth. But when Carlos finishes like second, Charles is finishing like six or seven. We'll see. Like that's how I feel like it'll go. But well, I'm doubling and six. I'm doubling down on on on, Car- on Charles. I think Carlos is a really good driver. I just I'm just doubling this down. This will be the Charles. year of Charles. I really think this will be the year of Charles. It's going to be his best year. He he said recently that he's really learned how to race management this year. So I'm ready to see him put it all together. And do you do you think that Ferrari is correct in locking up signs or negotiating a new deal now for the long-term future? Yeah, because I think we're both in agreement that signs can squeeze one. And um, together, we think he can squeeze. We, he has together, potential. together, they can win constructors. I like signs. I think he has a Kimi Raikkonen written all over him. Great, but not except without good. the personality of Kimi. Yeah, I think he's good, but he's not on the upper echelon. I think he can squeeze one. I don't like it purely for one reason. His name's Mick Schumacher. I really thought Mick would be entering yeah. Ferrari in two thousand twenty. It's starting to look like he's not. Yeah, it's really sad. But maybe we do see Mick and George. I'm having a feeling that Lewis retires and Mercedes, if they're happy with Mick, may get picked up to be in the Silver Arrows. But that is for a different episode. What episode are we doing next? We got to come on and talk about Alpine, the departure of Prost, his comments. You're just going to skip over my team like that. Bro, I mean, McLaren, they've kind of been very quiet in the offseason. It doesn't matter. They finished fourth. We got to hit them in order, bro. You don't want to talk about McLaren. Okay, we're coming to you live on Thursday. We're talking about Alpine. We got to talk about it because this is, they've had a really. We, we close the year with a high on Alpine, and it's really starting to see like they are, they got problems. Uh, okay. Let's be clear. That's Kurt's opinion. My opinion is they've got a lot of question marks now. Yo, uh, Reynolds, Reynolds won 12 Constructors Championships. Yeah, but how long ago was that, bro? We don't talk, like, Didn't come they on, win bro, in 2013? 2013? No, that was Red Bull. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That oh, one since... Uh, I think they Fernando Alonso. The they did win in the 2000s. Fernando Alonso was yeah. a driver there. But anyways, we're going to come to you guys with that. Yeah, and that's fine. But just remember, put some respect on the papaya orange. We're coming. Yo, papayas had a very quiet, quiet... We don't need to have a loud offseason. We just need to get better. I hope Danny Rick is, is, is going to be ready. He is going to be ready. Guys, we want to thank you guys all for tuning in. Lift and Coast. We appreciate We see Australia tapping in. We see UK. We see... Scone in Sweden. We see France. Obviously, we see North America. We see our Canada Americans. US. We see our Americans. What's up with Virginia listening to us? We want to shout out all our Virginia listeners, all our California listeners. Texas. Yeah, man. We want to shout all you guys out. We appreciate you guys. Make sure you guys tap into our reels. We're putting out a lot of short reels. Make sure you guys tap into our 
highlights. We're making great content. Let us know what you think. Let us know about your hot takes. And we out just like Ferrari. Peace. <laughs>